The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy trends, innovations, and debates. Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today my guest on Off the Shelf is Stan Talizchak. Stan is the Chief Engineer and Vice President for Technology Integration at GDIT. And today we're going to be talking about all things IT modernization, IT shared services, all that good cyber. Um, we're going to cover all the bases. Uh, Stan, welcome to the show. Roger, thanks very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, I'm, I am definitely looking forward to this conversation. It is, I mean, it, you can't go a single day in government procurement where somebody isn't talking about IT modernization, systems, shared services. You know, this administration's focus on shared services and the recent IT modernization plan that was posted for public comment. Um, there's a lot going on. So, and I think we'll just start with some of the basics and talk about modernization plans and you know, you know, what is a IT modernization plan from a government agency perspective, and why are they important, or what you know, what role do they play? So, an IT modernization plan from the government perspective is really all about how government can take best advantage of the technologies that are out there today. Government's been in the IT business for a long time. They have a lot of what I'll call legacy or older systems. Um, with the accelerating pace of technology. Um, those systems are, in many cases, functionally obsolete, they're inefficient, they're difficult to manage and maintain. So the whole purpose of IT modernization is to look at how you can get the best bang for the buck, how you can leverage technology and the advances in technology to do better, to do uh, government cheaper, faster, and better. Right. So when an agency like my old agency, GSA, puts together an IT modernization plan, and they've got stuff that I think that still runs on COBOL. I don't think, I think. COBOL, that, what's that? I, I learned uh, Fortran. Uh, uh, Fortran, whatever, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm a layperson. I just know it's old. Okay, very old. Um, so, um, you know, an agency like that putting together a plan, what are some of the key elements of a good IT modernization plan? So I think the, the key elements of a good modernization plan really start with having a good understanding of what your objectives are. What are you trying to accomplish? And then breaking down those objectives into manageable chunks. Um, one of the places where IT modernization can too often fail is if you try to do too much too fast with too little. Um, because of all the legacy, because it's been around for so long, IT is very complex. And what it really requires you to do is, is step back, take a look at what is the mission you're trying to accomplish What's the best way to leverage technology to accomplish that mission? And then how can I move from where I am today to an advanced capability that allows me to, or that enables me to perform that mission? Okay, so that's, uh, I want to pick up on that. And it just, so a piece of any good IT modernization plan is looking at your, presumably self-examination of your business processes, right? In a certain yes. sense, right? To figure out, you know, does this process make sense? What is the, our mission, core mission? Does this process make sense anymore? Right. You know, and then either modifying the nexus between the process and the IT. Right. Is key. And, and, and also looking at what the mission is. It uh, doesn't do a lot of good to, for example, come up with a much better process to figure out a better way to build a buggy whip. 
Right. Yeah. Because you know you've got to look at you know we what is it that's cars, really right? <laughs> going to be required in the future, and how do I get there, um, and and how do I take what I've got today and migrate it to what's best in the future? And a good example of that might be uh, for what I'll call public-facing services, where the public wants to interact with government, and how can cloud computing best be leveraged for that? Everybody today has a web app. Everybody's got an iPhone right. or an Android. You know, how can I better interact with government using those kinds of devices and not have to worry about even going back to what was current five and seven years ago, which is a web page? Yeah, one of the things you said earlier that I want to pick up on and let expand a little, and I, I, that was a great comment. And you, you re- I mean, I and I haven't heard many people say it. I, at least, I mean, they may think it or not, but the people I've talked about this is like, don't too don't do too much too fast or try to it's like you talked about taking you know realistic pieces of it or I, and when you would describe that i almost think like a phased approach or you know in terms well, of implementation or module kind of implementation yeah it's it's a crawl walk run approach uh, when you get into this learn how to do it and start small with things that you can handle get some successes and then build on those successes to accelerate your approach. If you go in and try to do something all at once, very rapidly, you have a higher risk of failure simply because there are a lot more moving parts. Um, One of the biggest challenges in IT modernization is dealing with um, not knowing what you don't know. Um, We've all heard that, you know, there's all the shadow IT that's out there. There are all the applications that someone may have built that are not inventoried but are being used in a day-to-day basis. If you go in and all at once try to just modernize everything, uh, you run the risk that you're going to break some mission-critical applications. And if you break the mission-critical application, the next thing that's going to happen is the agency head is going to be on the telephone saying, fix my application and bring that legacy system back up, and you've set yourself back. Yeah. Yeah. Along those lines, so when you when you're doing that, those legacies, what it may, what what you triggered in my mind is, you know, uh, there's a statement from you know from GSA at one point that, like FAS, the Federal Acquisition Service, mm-hmm. has like 150 different IT systems, and trying to figure out all that, and you know, modern part of modernization is also, I think, consolidating, and like to your point, identifying those systems. And consolidating, how do you tackle something like that where there's 150 different potential systems? Uh, you tackle it the same way that you eat an elephant. You do it one bite at a time. <laughs> okay, that's very good. Um, but um, you know, seriously, you know, a lot of the things are there are many systems. You know, the, probably the first thing to tackle is some of the existing duplication. You know, we've right. gone in to different agencies and have you know built them modernized infrastructures, right? And as part of that, one of the things that we will do is inventory their applications. And we'll find three and four and five and six different variations of the same application, even if it's just a basic Windows or Microsoft application, you know, different variations of it. Um, You know, different organizational entities will have their own licenses rather than a shared single EULA. Um, those kinds of things are probably the easiest ones to start with. And I know that government's been doing a good job at starting to do that, but, but that's the starting point. Yeah. And then the second one is where do we have a functional capability that can be shared across an agency? Does every department, does every building, does every facility need to have its own separate set of email servers? Or can we push some of that out to the shared services that you were talking about earlier um, and build it out at scale? Because um, 
as you grow and scale, you are more efficient, but you're also better at doing things. You're focusing your resources more on um, you know, building the depth of capability rather than building a broad capability to support a lot of separate little silos. Right. So how do you, you know, another piece, obviously the people piece of part of it is a big deal too. How do you sort of get everybody, you know, with a unity of purpose to try to move towards the modernization? I mean, you can identify all the applications that need to be reduced or they're duplicative in the systems, but it you, it's managing the process and the people too as well. As, and so, in some cases, to me, that can be a cultural thing. There's risk avoidance, not in my backyard kind of thing. There's, there's a lot of cultural um, work that has to go on because anytime you do change, and especially when you're talking about large-scale changes in modernization, right. you know, there's the potential for all kinds of disruption and cultural disruption. Uh, some people just don't want to learn something new. I mean, you know, I'll speak for myself personally. I'll see a new variation of one of my web apps come out for my iPhone. I'm not exactly the one who you know, signs up for it first, not because I'm you know, a technology laggard, just because I don't want to bothered learning the new web interface kind of thing, right? So there's training that's involved, right? There's outreach to the people to make them feel comfortable, to show what the benefits are of doing these kinds of things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, In some cases, you're right. There may be some, you know, kinds of roles that have to shift. Um, You know, from an IT perspective, people become more in terms of an app developer or a cybersecurity specialist rather than a sysadmin or somebody who does cable pulling kinds of things. And all of those have to be managed as part of the process, right? Um, And that's a process that is not something that just falls on a contractor or on a government agency. It falls on everybody. So it really starts at the top, whether it's the, the government agency leadership or it's the provider's leadership, but they have to get together and really work hard to make sure that everybody affected by this particular change in modernization is bought into the process. Right, understands the end game and right. what the now, benefits you, are. You will still have people who are going to, for whatever reason, be resistant. Right. And so have a way to deal with that and know what you know some of the psychological motivators are so that you, know, you can, as much as possible, make people feel comfortable and not disrupted in what, by its very nature, can be a very disruptive activity. Yeah, absolutely. And Stan, we're up on the break. My guest today is Stan Talizchak. He is the chief engineer and vice president for technology integration at GDIT. And when we come back, Stan, we're going to talk some more about modernization, the how the cloud can support it, and also start talking a bit more about shared services. You are listening to Off the Shelf on Fred News Radio, 1500 AM. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Today, my guest is Stan Talizchak. He is a chief engineer and vice president of technology integration for GDIT. And we're talking today about IT modernization, shared services, cloud computing. And Stan, uh, let's get right into the cloud computing piece and talk about, um, can you talk a little bit about how cloud computing can be leveraged to support uh, modernization for the federal government? So, you know, cloud computing is one of those technologies or innovations that really has the potential to be a disruptor in government. And it's a disruptor because it really changes the game. It moves away from having to worry about servers and storage and and things like that and allows government to focus more on what we were talking about earlier, which is the mission and the function that IT is supposed to perform. Right. Um, 
I like to equate cloud computing in some senses to the rise of integrated circuits in the electronics world where we started out with resistors and transistors and then we moved into integrated circuits and then we moved into you know, large-scale integration and then very large-scale integration. And today you get a single chip in your iPhone that has everything on it. Cloud computing is kind of the same way. You've, you've moved away from having to build everything yourself. It's all in this one nice little environment, this cloud environment. And it allows you, the developer, the user, the the CIO, to focus on what do you want to accomplish with it, not the bits and bytes and you right. know, how much cable do you need and stuff like that. You're just sort of worrying about the service that's provided as opposed to the components Correct. that you need, right? Is yeah. that fair to say? Yeah, you're, you're, you're looking at the service to be provided. Service could be, for example, email. And so now you're saying, you know, my email would be much more efficient if it was connected to my voicemail system. And right. so I could do text-to-speech, speech-to-text. I could have my phone read my email to me in a text, in, in voice. Or I can speak into my phone and have it converted into an email. And it allows you to look at those kind of things that make people more effective. Right. And is it, I mean, my sense is, and I'm, I lay, again, I'm a, I, I'm a lay person when it comes to this stuff. Um, you know, cloud... The government hasn't fully taken advantage of cloud at this point. It's I think that's my view of it. I mean, there's that piece of it. And also, I mean, cloud is the, the untapped potential where it can go in terms of the service it can provide. Where that's a, that's a long-term journey. Is that fair to say? It, it is a long-term journey. Um, I, I think it's fair to say that government hasn't taken full advantage of cloud. But I think it's also fair to say that much of the commercial world has not taken full yeah. advantage of cloud either. You know, one of the challenges is cloud is so powerful and it is so disruptive. It is so game-changing. There are so many things that you can do with it that, you know, we are barely scratching the surface of the potential with cloud. Right. Um, so, and I want to tie that to the question about the IT modernization plan is it seems to me one of the things that you, you need to think about is not just this is a static point in time and here's my plan. It's how your modernization is going to be open and flexible enough to take advantage of you know the future capability of cloud, for example. Absolutely right. The future innovations that are going to be coming out. Um, what what happens is IT really becomes just a platform for all of those advanced services and all of those advanced capabilities, right? The kinds of things like, for example, when we came in here today, you know, we used Google Maps okay, to yeah. figure mm -hmm. out how to get here, right? Well, your census takers can do the same thing in the 2020 census when they go around. They can use the mapping kinds of capabilities that are available in the web today to identify where locations are. Right. Right. And it's that kind of a synergy that we can start to look at once we've moved away from having to worry about just maintaining an old legacy infrastructure and, you know, worrying about how many servers that I've got and how do I cable them and how do I keep them patched and kinds of things. And, and that's the level of abstraction that cloud enables you to do. Right. So it sounds, I mean, and so you, you, Really, it's, it, it seems to me it can be a huge game changer because you're focusing on, out, you know, you as the customer focus on the outcomes you want, and, you, and you're telling the contractor, I need to be able to do this. 
And you're not worrying, to your point, you're not worrying about the iron that's sitting around in the building, right? Right. It, it is a huge game changer. And it's a game changer you know, on that customer side as well, because it, it does require the customer to think about what are the outcomes that you want, not how is the contractor doing the work, but what do I want to have as a result of the work that's being done? Right. So um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about along these lines is um, shared services. Yep. Right. And how that fits into modernization and what you're looking at. And I guess first thing I want to ask you is, um, you know, what's that, you know, sort of, I, I think it's, it's, as people think they understand it, but what's sort of the value proposition with regard to IT shared services? Well, the value proposition is very simple. Instead of having, you know, one of the most common shared services would be email. Mm-hmm. Okay. Instead of having three or four or five different email systems supporting your agency, you have one. Instead of having 500 people being supported by a single email system, you have 500,000 people being supported by it. What you get are, first of all, the economies of scale, because as these scale, it becomes more and more efficient. The other things that you get are standardization. Now, everything is looking the same. It's feeling the same. It requires the same level of patching and things like that. It's more secure, because once you have a single architecture and a single infrastructure that you're looking at, you can begin to look at that defense in depth and really understanding the more sophisticated threats, not the what we call low-hanging fruit, which is um, Joe Admin forgot to put a patch into this system today and somebody found it and exploits the network. Right. So when you're looking at, you know, modernization and you're looking at older systems, from a from a implementation strategy perspective, are you are the the older the system is that the more likely to be a you know potential shared services uh, it, solution? It really, cap- it really varies depending on what the systems are. When you look at the older system, the first thing you want to ask is first of all, is this function still required? Is it being done effectively, or should I be looking at maybe modernizing by replacing? That is, let the system stay in place but build a new, modern, scalable replacement that allows us to decommission that first system, right? Right. Um, You have to make that kind of a determination at the functional level. Then after you've done that, and let's say you've decided this is a system that I want to maintain, you have to look at, okay, now, is this something that is a lift and replace That is, I can take the old system and just move it into a data center. Do I have to do re-engineering of the system? Because when it was designed, it was originally designed for a client-server architecture, and now that's not going to transport very well. So I've got to do some level of modernization of the application before I lift and move it into that data center. And then the last thing you really need to think about is, after you've made those decisions, you have to think about, okay, is this something that may have applicability outside of my little domain, but broader needs across an agency? Should I be thinking about this not as uh, I'm going to fix my application problem, but we can take this and we can expand it to become an agency-wide capability that will support multiple different organizations and become a true shared service? Right. So it sounds to me like a good IT modernization plan has to look sort of horizontally across the organization to leverage what you just described, where you know you have commonalities that can be tackled with shared services, but also, and I don't know the right word, but I'm going to use vertical. Like that means forward-looking to what capabilities might be out there in the future, and and that modernization plan has to keep in mind 
you know, the, the ability to access new innovations, like horizontal, vertical, I mean. Right, absolutely. It has to be open to not only new users and, you know, incremental functionality, but also to how does it support new technology going forward. Uh, and one of the things that as we do IT modernization and we look at it, we find that um, upfront planning and engineering is the most important component of this and, and really in-depth engineering um, you know, I, I like to say it, it's kind of like, you know, a helicopter for every flight hour, you have 800 hours of engineering and maintenance mm-hmm. and work ahead sure. of it for IT modernization for every hour of putting a server in a rack or something like that. You've got 800 or a thousand hours of engineering to look at what should I be doing before I ever get there. Right. So what is the technical debt? What, what is that concept? Technical debt. Okay. I, know, I mean, it, I'm yep. segueing to a different, but no, or no. they're similar. No, but. It, it it's a great question. Yeah, because uh, you know, first of all, it's it's a term of art, so it has a couple of different definitions. But generally speaking, technical debt is um, what is the cost of not doing something. It's a term that is used frequently, for example, in agile software development. Um, where there are certain functionalities that are required but are deferred because of the agile sprints and you know what you're doing sure. is you're rolling out you know small pieces of it and so the technical debt is all those features that have not been implemented but the the real comprehensive definition of technical debt will look at what is the cost of not modernizing the application how much will it cost me to keep this application up and running for the next 10 years mm-hmm rather than building a newer, more modern application that might have a little bit more upfront cost, but it's going to be a lot easier to maintain. Sure. It'll have a lot more functionality, a lot more usability. And it becomes difficult because you can try to quantify that, and you certainly can quantify things like you know the cost of maintenance and that, and you know the, the interest costs on it and sure. those kind of things. But fundamentally, it's trying to take and put a quantitative equation around what we intuitively know is the case, which is it's probably going to cost us a lot in the long run to maintain a legacy application, um, more so than it is to actually build a new one. So, you know, you can pay me now or pay me later kind of a thing. It's like you think, I mean, to me, when you describe that, I'm thinking of what's the return on investment, right? What you invest in a new system versus maintaining, right? And what's the ultimate cost to the organization? That would be a really good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. So, Stan, we have to take our next break. My guest today is Stan Talizchak. He is the Chief Engineer and Vice President for Technology Integration at General Dynamics Information Technology. And when we come back, we'll continue our discussion about cloud, cyber, shared services, what it all means for IT modernization. You are listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Today, my guest is Stan Talizchak. He is a Chief Engineer and Vice President for Technology Integration at General Dynamics Information Technology. How did I get that pronunciation right or not? Was that close, at least, I hope? You know, if it wasn't close, I would have told you Smith. Okay. <laughs> okay, Stan. I appreciate that, Stan. Maybe I'll call you Stan Smith. And he's a famous tennis player. I remember that back in the day, Stan Smith. But... Um, um, Anyway, let's uh, continue our conversation. I know I things like that pop into my head, but um, it's co- about cloud and the cloud's role in IT modernization. And 
I know in the well in the last segment we were talking a little bit about you know the untapped potential for cloud both in the commercial market but also in, in federal implementations. Can you talk a little bit more about why that might be the case and you know and how cloud fits into a IT modernization solution? Sure. Well, I think that one of the important things to to really keep in mind is that cloud is only a piece of a solution. It's a very important piece. It could be the core of a solution, but it is still only a piece of a solution. There's a lot that goes around a cloud that needs to be considered as well. The, you know, the application development, the security. Um, cl- as we mentioned earlier, cloud changes the game from a developer's perspective. Uh, it used to be that a developer could dedicate a server to whatever it was that they were building. They didn't have to worry about the resources and that things like that because there was an abundance of them. That's what led to a lot of the duplication and excess resources that were out there. With cloud, you've got to be more efficient. More efficient means you've got to understand what it is that you need, which means you've got to do the engineering to estimate what your workloads are and how many simultaneous users do you have to support and how much memory do they require. There's a lot of analysis that has to be done in advance of building the application then deploying it out into the cloud. It's real engineering type work that in many cases in the IT space we haven't spent a lot of time of building disciplines around yet because IT is still very much an evolving scientific discipline. It's moving away from being something that you would you know throw together two servers and some storage sure, and yeah. a desktop into a true scientific discipline. And so along with that comes the need for the scientific discipline in how to leverage the cloud. Right. When you describe that, I I still go back to the flip side, like the IT process, the IT, the cloud capability is serving the customer's processes. And part of the answer, right, is continues to be self-examination of your business processes and trying to find, you know, ways to make them more efficient, what's still needed, what's duplicative to you know, you need to do that too, right? To 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 enhance or to get the potential out of leveraging, you know, in the efficiencies of the cloud. Is that- right. We we've gone down the path within IT of following what's called ITIL or the IT infrastructure library, which is the process of how to develop an IT service. And it starts with that requirements definition and then goes through capacity planning and how it's going to be supported and and all of those kinds of things. But the first step of that, the requirements development, is really sitting down and understanding what you want to do with the IT. And once you can do that, you can then start to turn the crank and develop, you know, using a discipline process, a a well-defined service. Um, What we find is more often than not, if there's a failure in IT, that failure comes as a result of a failure in the requirements process, not in the IT development process. A lot of people know how to develop IT very well. The, the challenges are how to define the requirements such that you cover all the possible use cases that you're going to encounter as you actually roll this thing out into true production. All right. So from a federal government perspective, you know, there, there has been over right, a lot of buzz about cloud over the last few years, you know, and in lots of discussion about the, what, what it could mean in terms of transforming, you know, government as a business. But, you know, the, implementation or the adoption of it hasn't been uh, perhaps as robust as people had hoped. What, what are some of the barriers that you see in the, that from a federal government perspective to, 
that need to be overcome? Well, well, I think we just talked about one of them, which is the adoption of cloud is not just an IT process. It's a collaborative process between the business owners, whether it's federal government or a commercial industry, uh, the business owners and the IT shop in developing what it is that you want that IT to do. And then you can go off and determine how best to implement it using a cloud or whatever technology that you want to. But that first step of partnering between the business or the you know the user agency the user part of the agency and IT is critical to make cloud successful. Right, and it is another piece of it. I've just from a I'm a government contracts person. Is is it just trying to figure out how to buy it efficiently, effectively? It's a new thing, right? In yep. the old days, you used to buy the stuff, and you know you'd have rooms full of servers, and you bought everything. Buying it as a service, the government, you know, it seems to me it has bigger challenges. It's more amorphous. It's not, you can't touch it and feel it. You you experience it in a certain sense. It, is that, is that there, part of it? There are definitely challenges in how to buy cloud services uh, because cloud services are, are the kind of thing that, if you will, you are billed after the fact. You're using the yeah. cloud and then you get the monthly bill. Right. It's not unlike paying your gas credit card or your electric bill or something. It's not that federal government doesn't know how to do that. It's that they haven't figured out how to take those existing processes and apply them in this new domain of cloud computing so that you really can and do buy it as a utility. Right. Um, you know, GSA is doing a good job with FedRAMP and, you know, figuring out how to actually put this on a schedule and, and how to allow you to buy it and putting the mechanisms in place. You know, there are still challenges. And how does an agency predict how much cloud computing yeah. will you need over the year so you can buy it? Right. But the budgeting issue and like planning and all that. It, yeah, it, absolutely. It's, you know, once once you have an estimate of how much you think you're going to, and you can budget for it, but how, you know, it's it's estimating how much you're going to consume. Right. That that becomes a challenge, and especially with cloud computing in some government agencies that have what we call a very spiky workload, where, and I'll use, for example, the IRS, where their workload seems to be very centered around April 15th for some reason. Right. right, right. Um, you know, and how do you predict what that workload is going to be on an annual basis so that you can have the money to pay for it after the fact because you're not controlling the expenditure in advance because you're right. going to use whatever cloud you need to, you're then going to pay for it after the fact. Right, but isn't that also one of the strengths of the cloud? You figure that out, you know, you're you're, you know, you you plan your budget accordingly, you know, you're paying less when you're supposed to be paying less and paying more right. when you're supposed to be paying more. Yes. And that's that can be a huge It can you know, be a huge it can be a huge changer. benefit. Yeah. Absolutely. It can also be a little bit of a, you know, a, a downside if you if you don't estimate it properly, you may find yourself not having enough money yeah. or, you know, running into some of the issues of, right. you know, one of the things that, you know, we run into is something called cloud sprawl, where agencies will tend to have lots of people going off and using their credit cards and buying cloud for, you know, this application or that application or whatever. And when you look at it in the aggregate, in fact, what the cloud has done because of that cloud sprawl and lack of a disciplined approach is you have ended up spending more than you would have spent on just your own infrastructure because it was so easy to buy. Right. Well, no, we can't have that, can we? <laughs> <laughs> um, just from a user needs perspective, you know, does a government have challenges with whether it should be a public or what are public, private, and hybrid clouds? Sure. Uh, so, let's, yeah, let's go through the definitions first. So a public cloud is a cloud that is provided 
by a third-party industry um, for consumption by a large variety of different users. It's publicly accessible via the internet. It meets all of the NIST definitions for cloud, but it's basically for public-type consumption. A private cloud is one that will be built within an agency's infrastructure. Um, it may actually be owned by a third party as well as as well as the government. Um, it has a lot of the same features as a public cloud, except it's in what's called a walled garden, which means that uh, you know it is it's a specialized cloud for specialized purposes and not for general public consumption. And then a, a hybrid cloud is some combination of the two where you may have some workload that is most appropriate for a public cloud, let's say a public-facing web page, while you also have need for something in a more private environment, let's say your agency financials. Um, and so what you do is you have you know, two clouds that can work together to provide the necessary public-facing services for the public content and the necessary protections for the private content. Right. Well, Stan, we're up on the break. We'll, when we come back, we'll... We'll look at those varieties of cloud a little bit more, but we'll also tackle cybersecurity in the last segment. My guest today is Stan Talizchak. He is the Chief Engineer and Vice President for Technology Integration at General Dynamics Information Technology. And you are listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Today, my guest is Stan Talizchak. He is Chief Engineer and Vice President for Technology Integration at General Dynamics Information Technology. We've been talking IT modernization, shared services, and the cloud. And we're going to finish up our cloud conversation, Stan, and then try to tackle you know what's on. It's the, the other big piece of this, is that cybersecurity. So... Uh, and when we took the break, you were talking about uh, and you know defining for for the listening audience, you know hybrid, public, and private clouds. And I just finished the thought about where are they applicable from a federal government perspective. Sure, um, and that's actually a good segue into the cybersecurity piece as well, because a lot of the applicability of public versus private versus hybrid really comes to the, the dependency on the sensitivity of the information that you're going to put out into the cloud. Yeah. Um, many agencies have public-facing websites or places where they're interacting with the public on a regular basis. And that's perfectly appropriate for a public cloud as long as you have taken the necessary precautions to make sure you're protecting privacy information or don't have any privacy information in the cloud. Um, you're doing the right things end-to-end -end for your functional application to ensure that you're meeting all of your cybersecurity requirements. Private clouds tend to be for those more secure environments where you're concerned that you don't want to have the information compromised, whether it's an IRS having a lot of you know, very sensitive public financial information, or it's uh, some regulatory agency that is getting regulatory filings that might compromise uh, you know, some corporation's public stock profile if it was disclosed and things like that. And then the hybrid cloud really fits well into those areas where you may have some information that is sensitive when it's originally created, um, but then you also want to make it available to the public. Um, things like, for example, 
um, weather information that, you know, the, a lot of the source material, uh, source information for weather um, may be initially considered sensitive because it's raw information, hasn't been processed, but eventually you want to make it accessible public, yeah. to somebody in the public to, you know, have a web app go out there and tell you that today it's going to be 34 degrees outside and rainy. Right. Well, yeah, that's not that, that's that's Washington D.C. in November, right? Um, so <laughs> the cloud variations they, they relate to the sensitivity of the information, and the and the and that relates to the use of the information. And then, in the context of cybersecurity, which I sort of want to turn to now, um, you know, when you're thinking about the cloud, you're thinking about IT modernization. You know, I assume cyber has to be part of every. You know, every plan has to be thought about across the board. It's embedded into implementations. Is that is that the way the approach is? Cybersecurity has to be baked into everything today. We are so dependent on our cloud, our web-centric, our IT, that everything that we do has to be, really has to have cybersecurity considerations, right? One of the interesting things in the IT modernization plan draft that came out of the White House was the focus on high-risk, high-value assessments. The whole concept that cybersecurity really needs to look at not just what the information is, but what is the risk to that information and what is the value of that information so that you can do the appropriate level of protection of it as part of an IT modernization activity. Um, you know, and in simple terms, it means things like if I am a, a commercial company and I have a price list that's good for two weeks. Uh, I may need to protect that very carefully during those two weeks, but six months from now, who cares? Right. So yeah. I may not need to have something that is in a very highly secured environment for a long period of time because of the transient nature of the information. On the other hand, I may have something that um, is sensitive financial information that I need to protect for a very long period of time, right? And I need to put it into a very Safe environment, right? High risk means, uh, high, I'm sorry, high threat means that, you know, there are ways in which it's easy to get, or I shouldn't say easy, but it's attractive for someone to get access to that information. Uh, there's the term I think we've talked earlier about walled gardens. If I have very sensitive financial information, but it's sitting on a server in a closed room with locks on the doors and no windows, uh, that may be very high value information, but it's fairly low risk because it's difficult for someone to get access to it. You have to understand what are the threats, what are the vulnerabilities of the IT infrastructure in order to assess whether or not right. there is a high risk on that information. And one of the things that I think was uh, you know, a very good point in the modernization plan is the focus on understand what the risk is and then right. take the appropriate measures in order to protect the information that you have on your infrastructure. Yeah, it's it's when you describe it, it's just it seems to me it's so highly complex because you really, to your point, you, you, what you describe, you have to understand what you have, right? And and w from a value perspective, a time perspective, how does does time Im impact the value? And then you have to figure out you know what's the appropriate protection, and then you have to figure out how to protect it, right? I right. mean, it's all those things. Um, so one of the things I wanted to ask you is, how, you know, when you when you and and part of IT modernization is also sort of trying to consolidate, reduce duplication. You know, as you consolidate down in systems, I guess that reduces 
it could have a you know there's a double-edged sword right it it reduces the number of potential targets to go through to get to something but it also focuses the tension on that you know once entry point through a consolidated system how do you address that is it yeah, as you consolidate, uh, one of the terms that we use is you reduce the attack surface. Right. The attack surface is where yeah. you might have somebody able to come in. I know who right. comes up with these terms. That's great. <laughs> I tried to. You said it in two words. When I was trying to describe it, I fumbled through my sentence. Go ahead. Um, yeah, the the thing is that you know by consolidating, so you can first of all reduce the, the points that which you can be attacked. It also allows you to focus your resources on each of those, so you can protect them more in depth rather than provide a superficial layer of protection across a broad spectrum you have a smaller number of places that you have to protect you can protect them more you know more completely um, you know even today uh, most of the breaches that occur occur because of some kind of human error someone forgot to patch something someone left the switch in the wrong thing or whatever right those things can be fixed and will be fixed fairly quickly through the use of automation getting the person out of the loop for this you know the basics of IT right once those 80% of the what we call low-hanging fruit are gone we're going to find that those cybersecurity bad actors are going to start focusing on those more sophisticated threats. And that's where you're going to need people to really be looking very carefully at those smaller number of penetration points in order to make sure that you have protected them. Right. So does, I have to, that question popped in my head. So how, what role does like machine learning or artificial intelligence say you, you, when you describe the fa- the failings of the human being, right? <laughs> like, you know, forgot, forgetting to, you know, to turn off my computer or leave in my, you know, your password out or something. Is machine learning part of the answer to this? Absolutely. And in fact, probably one of the hottest areas in cybersecurity today is the application of artificial intelligence and machine learning and getting the person out of the loop for those traditional intrusion detection, intrusion protection kinds of scenarios, right? Um, It is still very much an emerging area. We are learning. We're learning a tremendous amount. The other piece that plays into that very much is analytics because a lot of the threats – once again, once you get away from that, you know, the easy stuff, what you find are very low-level threats that are very hard to find, the needle in the haystack sure, problem. Yeah. And the combination of very deep advanced analytics followed up with machine learning and artificial intelligence to protect you against those very subtle threats are definitely where we're going. Right. So we got about a minute left. I'm going to leave it to you. Just what's the biggest benefit from a cybersecurity perspective to you know, to, to, to uh, IT modernization? The biggest benefit from a cybersecurity perspective is standardization and consolidation allow you to dig much deeper and provide much more sophisticated and capable defenses instead of having to protect a lot of different things at just a very superficial level. Right. And it's, yeah, that's, I'm trying to. Th- I was trying to think if I could do an analogy to the Maggio, Maggio line, whatever in France, whatever, right? Maybe <laughs> yeah, in World yeah, War exactly. II, right? Yeah, like Maginot that's the uh, Maginot line. Yeah. I, yeah, I didn't pronounce it right. I, pa- I pronounce it almost like Italian or something, right? <laughs> I want to thank my guest today, Stan Talizchak. He is the chief engineer and vice president for technology integration at General Dynamics Information Technology, and you've been listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. 
You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear the entire show or any of our weekly programs anytime at federalnewsradio.com. Off the Shelf, only on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com.